In your Bibles tonight, first, second Samuel, excuse me, second Samuel chapter number 21, we'll begin reading in verse number 15. Second Samuel chapter 21 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. If you read the books of first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, it seems about every chapter there's war again with the Philistines. I was thinking about this, and I remember something that Goliath said in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. You remember Goliath is being described as how tall he is. He's however many cubits, and his staff is like a weaver's beam, and how much his uh, uh, armor weighs. And, and Goliath, as he's being described, the Bible gives us his words. He comes out into the presence, into a voice shot of the Israelites. And he says, I'm going to tell you something. Whoever can kill me, if you send somebody and you kill me, we will be your servants. You remember that? What happened with that deal? Huh? I mean, David, in the same chapter, goes out there and takes a smooth stone and sling and whacks a giant in the head. He falls. His head is severed from his body and... David's a great hero, but the Philistines didn't hold up their end of the deal. Bunch of liars. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? They didn't keep their word. And it's fascinating to watch through the Old Testament, and especially the story here of David and the nation of Israel, how many times those dirty, rotten, stinking Philistines wage war once again on God's people. It reminds us that the war that is being waged while we're on earth, the devil against God's people, it never comes to a halt. The passage of Scripture that warns us all to be sober, to be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It does not stop from being God's word when you get saved. It doesn't cease from being God's word when you've been doing really good for a while. It actually never stops and God's people must always be on their toes to the fact that there's a war being fought among, between God's people and the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. He's a defeated foe and God has given us the victory. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Hallelujah. We must know that the war continues. The war continues. The text says in 2 Samuel chapter number 21, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibinob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spears weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zerui, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Seb Bichai, the Hushathite, slew Saph, which is of the sons of the giant. 
And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of whatever his name is, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servant. You see what the Bible says? Look at verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again. Look what the Bible says in verse 18. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines. Verse 19. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines. Verse number 20. And there was yet a battle in Gath. <laughs> battle, 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 battle. How many of you think that your life could be described as battle, 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 battle? It's true. It's true, but remember something. For every battle, there's ample and sufficient grace. For every trouble, there's ample and sufficient mercy. For every problem, there's ample and sufficient peace and strength and blessing from God. You remember something? We battle in the grace and strength and power of our Savior, our Lord, our God on earth. And we have the sweet hope of no battle for all of eternity. Keep fighting the good fight. The war continues. The war continues. David, years ago from this moment, had slain Goliath in great victory, but the battle wasn't over. And I want you to understand something. There's never a moment in your Christian life while you're alive where you'll be able to just sit back at ease. Sit back and smell the roses in the matter of spiritual warfare. All of God's people for all of our lives will have a battle to fight. I know that's not the most encouraging news you've ever heard. But I don't know about you, but I would much rather deal with reality and understand the truth and find the hope that I need in the Lord than to live in some type of clueless wandering. The war continues. There's a fight to be fought every day. It's a good fight. It's worthy of fighting. Paul said it this way. He said, I fight a good fight. He didn't say he was a good fighter. But he said the fight was worth fighting. And my God help us to determine with God's help to live righteously, to live boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ and continue to fight the onslaught of the devil, knowing that the victory is ours and God is our strength. We can trust him. The war continues. The battle for the nation of Israel continues. The war continued and God was going to do some things and help with some things and I hope you'll pay close attention to what God has to say here to us in this passage. The first thing I want to bring to your attention, number one, is this. David waxed faint. 
David waxed faint. Now we're going to begin here looking at this story and understand that David is getting older. Uh, most commentators believe that he's somewhere in his 60s at this time. He's a man of war for many years. And uh, he's uh, been out fighting the Philistines in his 60s. And he's beginning to get a little tired. The Bible says in verse 15, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines and David waxed faint. David got to the place where he was tired. He was tired of fighting. He was tired of the battle. He actually got to a spot where he wasn't going to be able to continue in the exact same capacity that he had been in for many years previous. Look what the Bible says in verse number 17. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him, helped David, and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Now, the, the next thing we see here in David's, uh, in David's life is David has gone to fight, he's gone to battle, he's waxed faint, and when he's really tired after the battle, one of the giants... I like his name, Ishbai Binab. If you're looking for a name to name your child, don't use that one. Ishbai Binab. He was a giant. And Ishbai Binab, a son of the giant, he took a chance and he was going to kill David. And fortunately, Abishai, David's nephew, was prepared and protected David. And the men... David's men tell David and encourage David and inform David the best thing for David to do from this point forward, thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Now something happens in David's life. David waxes faint and David's role and position and the job that David is going to be assigned by God to do is going to change. David loses none of his importance. David loses none of his integrity. David loses none of his character. David loses none of his manliness. David just happens to be a man who's got up in years and the job and the emphasis that needs to be done by David is different than it used to be now this is a hard spot to get to and I'm not very old I'm very young I believe very young uh, but I also know that even at my age there are certain things that I need to know that there's younger folks that can do that and need to do that and get involved and dig in and do things different there's other folks that need to do things that I've always done before in order that I can do more that God wants me to do and specifically designed me to do and so David here he waxes faint and David is in a spot and a time in his life that is very uncomfortable it's like that moment when you take the keys away <laughs> It's like that moment when you turn in your driver's license. It's like that moment where you say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to take that hike anymore. You know what? I'm not going to be able to do it just like I've always done it before. But that's not all bad. The work that David was assigned to do and given to do was something that was far greater. And the men of Israel said, David, at this point... In your life, in this point in the nation of Israel, we need you to stay and lead and direct the nation of Israel and keep the light burning and keep the light going and keep things going right and strong and lead us. Let us fight for you. David waxed faint. You know, it takes a lot of grace to get to the place where you're willing to get help. 
But folks, there comes times in all of our lives where we must get help. We must be humble enough to receive help. We must be gracious enough to be kind to the help. We must be willing to receive It's hard, isn't it? We've been taught, and it's true, it's right, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But let me ask you a question. If there are no receivers, how do the givers get their blessing? Perhaps you're a person that for years and years and years and years and years you've been a giver, 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 giver. But at this moment in your life, you're resisting tooth and nail to the receive ask God to give you grace ask God to give you grace to take on the new position and the new role and do the new thing that God has assigned to you because the battle the war is still raging and you cannot be fighting among the forces David did not raise up and say you bunch of pipsqueaks get in your place I'm going to keep fighting you know what David did David said, I think you're right, boys. And from that point forward, David doesn't go back to battle. It's a sweet thing. It's a right thing. It's a good thing. I pray the Lord will give us grace and strength as Christians to understand there comes a time. You don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. But don't be afraid to accept the role and the responsibility and the Position that God has put you in and trusted you to at this time in your life. At this time in your life. I can't imagine. I'm glad Pastor Chuck's here tonight. I can't imagine the grace and strength and courage it took. When the church was going good and things were going well. And he became very clear and it became very evident. Though he has lots of strength and ability. He says, look, it's time for me. To retire. It's time for me to do something different. I'll just tell you something. You need to thank God for a man that has enough grace to trust and do what God put in his heart to do. Because it takes a lot more courage to say, hey, look, here. I've got to let somebody else do this. Than it does just keep on trying to do it and drive something in the ground. One of my dear friends, he'll be here to preach in the fall. Roger Pauley. Roger Pauley is one of the most brilliant fellows you ever meet, be around. His son, Scott Pauley, a lot of you know him. Roger's been pastoring the Cranberry Baptist Church for many, many years. And just a couple weeks ago, Roger in his strength and sound mind, getting up in years, he said, you know, it's time to pass the torch. It's time to let somebody else fight this fight. And it's sweet, it's good, it's right. It takes courage and grace and faith. It takes more faith to do that than it does to roll up your sleeves and fight to the death and die an early death not doing God's perfect will than it does to do what these men have done. It takes more grace and strength to receive the help. But there comes a time in all of God's people's lives where your position changes. The work that God has called you to do is different and David waxed faint and when he saw that it was time for him to step back in grace, in faith he did I love it I love it 
Did David quit? No. Don't you ever quit serving the Lord. The last day you breathe air on this planet, you better be serving the Lord. But serve God where he's called you to be. This message, this passage of scripture reminds me of the importance to do the things that are best. Not just the things that you can do, but the things that are best for the cause of Christ as the war continues. Our roles and opportunities change. David waxed faint, but David had grace to do God's will. Obey God, trust God, believe God. And he quit fighting giants. The giant slayer said, my giant slaying days have passed. And that's okay. Because you know what he did? He sat back and encouraged young men and others to fight giants. And what we watch in David's life here in this passage of scripture is you see one man who is notorious for killing one giant. He steps back and before this few verses from verses number 15 to verse number 22 is concluded, we watch four men rise to the occasion and one giant killer steps back and encourages the others. And the next thing you know, there's four giant killers on the loose doing the work of God for the glory of God. And God always does that. If we get to the place where we think that nobody can do God's work as good as we do, let me tell you something. One, you're wrong. Two, you're full of self. Three, you're wrong. Four, you're wrong. Five, you're full of self. And I've got six or seven points that look just like that. May God help us. The work of waging war against the devil is not a work that's done in pride and ego. The work of waging war against the devil is not a work that's done in the strength of the flesh. The work of waging war against the enemy of God is one that's rich in the power, blessing, grace, and peace of God. And may the Lord help us to understand that there comes season in all of our lives where our role transitions and changes. Does that mean God puts you on the back burner? Wrong. That means God is moving you forward to your place of best service. Don't forget it. Pastor Sexton always said something that very encouraged me. He asked a question, when is the prime of life? A lot of folks look at me and say, well, you're in the prime of life, and I would agree with that. I'm tall, skinny, good-looking, healthy as a horse. I am healthy as a horse. At least I got one of them. And if you said you're in the prime of life, I'd say, yes, I am. The pastor always said the prime of life is any time in life when you are in the center of God's will. And it's sweet to know that there's never a moment in your life as a surrendered child of the Most High God that you are not somewhere where you can be used for an eternal benefit and the glory of God. Don't forget it. David waxed faint. And when he did, he realized, hey, look, I got to back out. And God blessed. Number one, David waxed faint. The war continues. Number two, his men stepped up. His men stepped up. Look at this passage of scripture. I love it. His men stepped up. In verse number 15, David waxed faint. Verse number 16, 
And Ishbibinob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass and weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. Now, this is a fascinating picture. We've got another giant. Now, this is a big dude, and he's got a big spear, but it's half the size of Goliath. His spear is about seven and a half pounds. If you've swung a seven-pound sledgehammer very long, you understand what he was carrying around. This was nothing to, uh, nothing to be ashamed of. This was a rather large man and a large spear and a big giant. And this man, uh, Ishbibinob, 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 Ishbibinob. I'll mess it up again. This giant... His whole life, can you imagine being raised as a little giant in Gath? His whole growing up, stories were told about that evil, good nut, good for nothing, no good, useless David, King David of Israel. And Ishbibinob, growing up, he said, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to kill that giant killer. One of these days, I'm going to kill this, that giant killer. And the Bible introduced him as a man with a great big spear. And the Bible introduced him as a man being girded with a new sword who thought to have slain David. Somebody I heard talk about this verse said they were pretty confident that he'd bought him a new sword and he'd had David's name etched on it because he intended to use that sword to kill that giant. Here's what happens. Verse verse 17 but Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him, helped him, helped David, and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. What happened? When David's weakness became evident, God raised up a man. The first person we see is Abishai. God uses Abishai and Ishbibinob is defeated. Thank God for Abishai. What happens next? The Bible says in verse 18, his men stepped up, and it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob, then Sib Bichai, the Hushathite, slew Saph. So here we've got the Jewish man, David's man, Sib Bichai. The Bible says that he slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. Guess what happened? This man stepped up to the plate. He was used of God, and he conquered and defeated another giant. Thank God for Sebechai. Thank God. Look at the next one. The Bible says in verse 19, And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhana, the son of whatever his name is, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Here's another guy, Elhanan. Elhanan. Elhanan steps up to the plate, and he conquers and kills another giant. His men stepped up. David was no longer able, but his men stepped up. And finally, look what the Bible says in verse number 20. This is an interesting giant. All the people were quite fascinated with this man's 24 digits. Look at the Bible says in verse 24. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers. 
and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. Now, look, these folks were fascinated by this guy that had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. And they were so excited about it that when they write this passage of Scripture, they're like, this guy had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. And they're like, I'm telling you, it was 24 total. That's wild. It reminds me, there was an evangelist years ago. He was born with no arms and legs. And uh, he was preaching out and about uh, quite a bit. And he had, it was, it was fascinating. He, was, he, he enjoyed it, the way that the Lord made him. But he, all he had was one foot. His foot was like right here. And so he had one foot and he had four toes, if I'm not mistaken. Now, it was amazing what the guy could do with one foot and four toes. He could drive a car. He could type and send text messages. He could, uh, I mean, it was amazing. And you walk up to him, and uh, when you walk up to him and he's going to preach at your church, instead of reaching out to shake your hand, he'd hold his foot out, and you shook his foot. It was pretty fun. Well, the reason I'm telling you this story is because the, the people, the Israelites, were amazed by this person with six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. He happened to be in, North, in, in Hickory, North Carolina on a Tuesday. On, he didn't have a place to go on a Wednesday night. And so I said, why don't you come and preach the people at Boyne Springs Baptist Church? This will be great. At that time, I had a, a young guy working for me, working in children's ministry. And I'm on my way driving from Hickory back home on Wednesday morning. And I call the church office and I tell, I tell James, I said, James, what I want you to do is I want you to call everybody on the church roll. And I want you to let them know we have a special evangelist coming to church tonight he was born with no arms and legs he'll be preaching tonight and so there was I, I said this is what I want you to call everybody and there was silence across the phone and James answered back he says if you think I'm falling for that one you got another thing coming <laughs> so anyway he ended up making the phone calls he came to preach and one Interesting thing is when you, you know, the way we are, when you hear somebody's will come preach has no arms and legs. Uh, I mean, you don't really need arms and legs to preach, but it's pretty exciting, you know. And so these, this giant, he was amazing to these people. He had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot and 24 total. And the Bible says that when he defied, verse 21, Israel, Jonathan's son, of Shemiah, the brother of David, slew him. What happened? Jonathan. Jonathan slays old six toes, the giant. And God does a great work. One thing I think about in this passage of Scripture, David had to have the grace to say, look, I'm going to have to stop doing this. And when he did, he got to sit back and watch what God could do. These four men rose to the occasion, often referred to as David's mighty men. They rose to the occasion. They did the work of the Lord, and God continued his work. It was sweet. Another thing I think about is men stepped up. I think about the heart of young people. I think about our teen choir. Thank you for being so faithful. I think about... Young people who are in transition, just graduated from high school, just beginning college. Young people that are, uh, are just about to get married. And I wonder, I, I want to challenge you. Who's going to step up? I'll tell you, if you're 
16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and down inside of your heart you don't have a burning desire to step up to the plate and serve God and be faithful and be counted and reach the lost and do the work of God, your heart's not in tune with God. At this moment in your life, you should determine, look, the old man behind the pulpit won't be able to do it forever. I'm going to step up and I'm going to fight some giants. May God help us. You see, it takes grace and courage and faith to be a David that waxed faint and say, you know what, I've got a work to do, but it's different than it used to be. And it takes great courage and strength and faith and grit and persistence and a love for Jesus to be the young man that says, you know what, David fought a giant and so can I. And I pray God will put in the heart of all of our people, a burden to keep fighting the good fight of faith and wage war against the devil. Because I want you to know something. God has an active, important role for every last one of us to play. We can learn a little bit from David waxing faint. We can learn a little bit from David's men stepping up. And we can watch God do the mighty work that he wants to do for the cause of Christ through our church. Guess what? The war continues. After I'm gone, the war continues. After you're gone, the war continues. I wonder who'll step up to the plate. There's a slogan to an old country song that I like. It says, who's going to fill their shoes? I pray God will put it in your heart to be used for the glory of God. I pray God will give you the grace and strength that you need and faith to do the work that God's called you to do. The war continues, and I'm thankful that God's given us all a role in the battle. Don't be afraid to take the position that God's got you in and praise Him for it. The war continues. Let's pray.